Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach. Today we're going to talk arts and entertainment. While doing preparation for this show, I came across an article with a title in big, bold letters that said, Milwaukee's film industry is bigger than beer. That, of course, caught my attention. A study on the local film industry showed millions of dollars generated through labor income, billions in sales, and thousands of film industry jobs supporting southeastern Wisconsin's workforce. They reported nearly 15,000 film and media jobs, five times more than the area's famed beer manufacturing and distribution industry, which is really great for the film industry, of course. Um, but not so much if you're Miller Coors or some of those all smaller beer pubs. Um, I say support both by having a beer before you go to see a film and then maybe again afterwards. Um, Now, those numbers are pre-pandemic, and so they look a little different now, but there's no denying the impact the film industry has had on the overall economic growth in the greater Milwaukee community. Because impact and inspiration are two things we talk a bit about on our show, we want to be sure to include those in our conversation as we discuss arts and entertainment. There's a quote by an author speaker named Abhijit Nascar, I think I got that right, that says, healthy entertainment is a beautiful blend of stimuli that can connect with the viewer at a sentimental level then sow the seeds of a certain idea, or feed the mind with inspiration and courage. In short, healthy entertainment does not evoke raw emotions in the mind of a viewer only to make them wreak havoc. Rather, it guides those emotions in a healthy direction. This leads to not only an entertained viewer, but also an inspired soul. And that should be the purpose of filmmaking, and indeed, the entire entertainment industry. End quote. Well said, indeed. Here today to talk about the impact film has made in our community is Kara Ogburn, Artistic Director at Milwaukee Film. Welcome to the show today, Kara. Thanks, Jill. Yeah, glad to be here. We're glad you're here. So why don't you tell us your story and how you came to Milwaukee Film? Yeah, so I sometimes say that it happened kind of by accident. Um, you know, growing up, I was never one of those people who were like, oh, I'm a film person and I'm going to go to, you know, the university movie theater and watch esoteric French art films as a for fun thing. You know, my family was really invested in, you know, reading. I would say books are my first storytelling love, you know, but also performing and visual arts. But, but we weren't a particularly film-oriented family. So when I was here in Milwaukee in grad school, um, I discovered not necessarily film yet, but I discovered that I was really interested in arts administration. I was not interested in writing things that no one would read. I love teaching and I love making experiences for people. Um, and I was like, okay, well, on how on earth do I get out of grad school and into arts administration? There's not a very clear path for that. Um, 
when you're when you're in school, there's not a clear way to understand how to do that. But uh, so friends and I started a graduate student conference, and Milwaukee Film was looking to expand their panels programming during the festival. And so two things kind of added up. A friend of mine from grad school was the education director at the time, said, "Hey, you should talk to Kara." I talked to Jonathan Jackson, then our artistic director and our executive director, now our CEO. Um, And from there, it was off to the races. I planned panels in a seasonal capacity for two years in 2011 and 2012, joined the full-time team leading education programs in 2013, and kind of from there have found my way in. And I discovered that film and the film festival and our cinema and all of our education programs do that thing that I love, which is make a space for people to talk with one another about what's inspiring them on screen, about what they're feeling coming out of that, um, and how they can better kind of understand one another. Um, they t- you know, your quote that you read is, is a beautiful example. They also say film is an empathy machine. You're immersed with someone else's story. And they may be like a non-human someone. They may be a fantastical, mythical someone. Um, but you're you're immersed sens- sensorially to a degree that you're able to kind of open yourself up. And I'm interested in like how do we keep that opening of self open a little longer after you leave the dark theater and as you encounter, you know, real somebodies in the mm. everyday world. And so that's kind of what keeps me at it. Quite a quite a journey. And actually that's where the impact comes, you mm-hmm. know, after the film and, and see what, what happens afterwards. Well give us some history on yeah. Milwaukee Film. So Milwaukee Film was founded in 2008, presented the first film festival in 2009, uh, really with the goal of bringing a world-class film festival to Milwaukee, um, recognizing that we have audiences here that love film from all corners of the globe, all kinds of film, um, but that don't always have as many opportunities to see those films on screen. And we did that. And we did that for a number of years. Um, and in 2018, then assumed operation of the Historic Oriental Theater. Um, giving us a 365-day-a-year opportunity to bring those films and put them on screen for others. Uh, along the way, we've also added some programs that you know help young people discover film and filmmaking that support our local film community. Uh, you talked about that bigger than beer stat. It takes a whole lot more people to make a film than it does to make a can of beer, but <laughs> it's no less important and no less uh, essential to our local community. So we've, we've evolved a little bit to serve kind of more than just a traditional film festival audience really wanting to serve as much of Milwaukee as we possibly can in the ways that film can kind of open up uh, lives and minds and hearts and brains. Mm. Um, you know, we're, uh, we've also sort of achieved a lot in that 14-ish years, but, uh, you know, we've risen to become one of the top 10 festivals in the United States across a lot of different metrics. Um, in 2019, our attendance topped about 87,000 just during the festival, plus, wow. you know, lots more during the Oriental Theater's year-round operation, you know, in terms of program size, depth and breadth of films, budget, you know, we're really in that top 10 and nobody knows it. Everyone thinks, oh, those festivals are on the coast. Or here in Milwaukee, and we have the audiences that audi- that filmmakers want to meet. So we're really excited to kind of keep doing all that work. Wow, that's really exciting. I wasn't aware of that. I think you're right. Everybody thinks about the coasts and yeah, not the or Midwest, you think you know, or you think you know, our neighbors to the south. You'd be like, oh well, Chicago's festival's definitely bigger. We've been bigger than the Chicago festival for wow. quite a few years now. To their credit, Chicago also has like. 50 film festivals that happen over the course of the year in that city. So a little different story, but we're We're holding our own. So the Milwaukee Film Festival was a regular fixture in the fall, Mm -hmm. but now you've moved to the spring. Uh, 
why is that? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's surprising for people, but it's something that's actually been in the works for a while. Once we opened the Oriental and took it kind of under our operation, we realized that sometimes in the fall we were kind of getting in our own way. Um, the films that are released in the fall and at the end of the year and heading up to, like, award season – tend to not need the festival. And so sometimes we were getting in our own way and we were like, oh, we should probably move to spring so that the films that we present in the festival can then, you know, bring some of them back in the summer when some of those films aren't getting theatrical release the same way. Um, But that was an awfully hard proposition to move a 15-day festival, you know, couldn't quite turn it around you know, in six months, that would be uh, backbreaking for our staff. I think our audiences would have been frustrated if we took a full year off or if we presented a diminished festival. But, um, you know, we took the opportunity of disruption that the pandemic provided and in 2020 presented a fully virtual festival and then in October and then turned around and did a second fully virtual film festival in May of 2021, sort of setting ourselves up to return in the spring annually from there on out. Um, Slightly smaller than the normal in-person festival in those two virtual editions. You know, didn't want to give people more than they could handle watching on their own screens, Uh, but sort of took that opportunity to be there. Really a great time to be in festival season. Festivals in the U.S. tend to happen either in the fall and kind of the head up to the award season or in the spring, you know, right after Sundance and amidst South By. So this is an opportunity to show films earlier in their festival journey when when those filmmakers are really available to meet with audiences. Sometimes in the fall, filmmakers were already on to their next project and couldn't make it to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of opportunity and we're pretty excited about it. Well, Okay, so those things happened uh, primarily uh, was prompted by the the pandemic. Um, you know, if you're going to find the silver lining, that's it. You know, you've forced you to uh, look at other options of the way that you do things. But what else about the pandemic shifted your business? Yeah, well, so for a business that's built on putting people together in a room and uh, keeping them there for a couple hours, uh, you know, everything really shifted. You know, we closed our cinema. The cinema was closed from March of 2020 until August of 2021. Um, We hosted both Milwaukee Film Festivals fully virtually. We also hosted our Minority Health Film Festival fully virtually in September of 2020. Um, And we did virtual programs across all of our key areas. But we took that opportunity to do some construction and renovation at the cinema, the Oriental Theater. We had done fundraising prior to the pandemic uh, disrupting us that allowed us to kind of keep those projects going while we had to be closed because otherwise they would have closed us, you know, turned off our screens at other times of year. So we took a couple of opportunities, strategic opportunities, while also really relearning what we do and how we do it in a lot of ways. And I think for many people, it, it was a blessing in disguise. You know, you just figured out a new normal, right? And yeah, and people give you grace, um, yeah. which is nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can try some new things, and people like forgive you if it doesn't go one hundred percent like whiz bang yeah. decadent. Yeah. You get you get a, you get away with a few things. Grace um, is good. It's grace good. Is yeah, good. we like grace. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you learn from having to pivot into fully virtual programming? Yeah, I think. We, and I think this is the true across all film festivals, really learned a lot about accessibility. Um, You know, during the pandemic, no one could come to our cinema. But there have always been people who couldn't make it to the in-person festival, Uh, people for whom, you know, navigating accessibility challenges in cinemas is, you know, a barrier. And so we learned a lot about how we might continue to make 
more accessibility strides for people for whom the in-person festival isn't the right option. Uh, but also think about what really needs to happen in person. I think this is true for almost every business. What have we been wasting our time getting together in a room to do that could have been done just as well right. in a virtual setting? And so we're really trying to, I think, take that opportunity to slow down and be like, well, let's reflect. What did we learn? What can we do better? Um, what can we do more gracefully um, or more efficiently? You know, the two sides of that, um, using our new skills of uh, digital communications that uh, did not come easily to everybody, um, <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> I would echo that. I yeah. mean, we too had to pivot or shift and figure out different ways to mm-hmm. do our radio shows, and that's yeah. where we all learned how to Zoom. So, <laughs> yeah. I think many people know about the Milwaukee Film Festival and, of course, the historic Oriental Theater, but you may not know some of the other things that Milwaukee Film is involved in. So stay tuned to get the scoop, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Kara Ogburn from Milwaukee Film. So I think that a lot of us know about the Milwaukee Film Festival and, of course, the historic Oriental Theater. But there's more to Milwaukee film that might not be as well known. So give us the scoop, Kara. Yeah. Well, so, you know, one film festival wasn't enough, so we started a second. I mentioned our Minority Health Film Festival, which we presented in 2019 in September, in 2020 virtually in September, and then in 2021 came back rebranded as our Cultures and Communities Festival. And our Cultures and Communities Festival and the year-round initiatives in Cultures and Community really want to center health and wellness for historically underinvested communities. We want to start conversations. We want to celebrate cultural difference, using film as kind of a catalyst for that. Um, And that initiative also includes our commemorative month programming around Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, our Engage and Activate program, which is a corporate EDI uh, learning program. Uh, So we're doing kind of a lot in that space. And, you know, to the point earlier, you know, the pandemic and our virtual programming really helped us, like, accelerate a lot of that programming because these were conversations that people wanted to be having and weren't getting to have kind of naturally uh, because we were all so separated from one another. So we've really... um, um, kind of leaned heavily into that portion of our programming as well. It sounds like some great, uh, great programs, and I'm assuming all this is available on your website. So, if you, uh, if our listeners aren't taking notes, they yeah. can certainly uh, get the rest of the information, the rest of the scoop online. Mm-hmm. So, you've got a number of really great things going on, but I hear that you also have some robust education programs. Why don't you tell us about those? Yeah, and I think people are really aware of our public programs, um, our festival, our cinema, even the Cultures and Communities Festival, even though it's newer. Um, But sometimes our programs for young people or for filmmakers kind of fly under the radar. Um, And I think these are the, this is where I started at Milwaukee Film. So um, I'm really excited about these programs as well. Really creating pipelines, right? We want to continue to have incredible festival audiences for many, many years to come. And so our youth education program introduce young people to either critical viewing, you know, watching films and having opinions and talking about them afterward, whether that's in a school setting, field trips to the cinema, or um, at their homes and in our teen programs where we have a program where teens select films that are in the festival. And I'm going to tell you, they're coming for our drops. Our teen programmers are ready. Uh, They're just waiting for, you know, 
me to hire them, and I will, <laughs> uh, when they are eligible to be hired. Um, and then also for, for filmmaking, we have a Take One Teen Filmmaking Lab that introduces young people from start to finish. They make a short film, and then it premieres at the Oriental Theater. Um, it's happening every semester. Uh, it happens at our offices or virtual or in a hybrid space. We're sort of still sorting which bits and pieces need to happen in person, happen well elsewhere. Um, that's another opportunity. And our filmmaker services programs, artist services programs, sort of continue that pipeline for filmmakers. You mentioned the the bigger than beer statistic. Um, and we want to make sure that we're doing our part to kind of retain that creative talent, to make it so that they don't uh, kind of that that industry can grow and be sustainable so that talent doesn't have to leave Milwaukee to make films. Um, one filmmaker in particular comes to mind when thinking about that pipeline, Bianca Fuster, whose film The Warrior Princess uh, is out now, um, started as a high schooler, stumbled into, I'm going to say, a screenwriting program that we were doing at the time in high schools. And found her way on to set and fell in love with filmmaking, decided to go to school for filmmaking, and now is uh, a, a co-owner in an independent uh, film production company right nice. here. And she will tell the story about how that was not something she saw as a possibility. You know, um, in Milwaukee, on the South Side, she will tell you that she never had thought filmmaking was an opportunity that could be a career path. And so we really want to provide those opportunities for young people to see film or creative storytelling as for them, to meet filmmakers that look like them or sound like them when they tell their stories, and to see that sort of achievability. Uh, but also to think that, you know, the Oriental Theater is for them. The film festival is for them. These places can seem really you know, erudite or fancy, but film is a really accessible medium, and we want to help continue to lower those barriers to access, um, whether it's for young people or emerging filmmakers. Um, it's it's a key piece of our values that goes, you know, kind of behind the scenes, under the radar, I think, a lot of times. Wow. Well, if if you have a child that's interested in film, I mean, we certainly have a number of ways that you can nurture that talent mm -hmm. right here without having to leave, which, yeah. which is great. A lot of great things that you talked about today, Kara, and of course, we can't get to everything we want to talk about, so we just try and hit some highlights and give a little, plant a couple mustard seeds along mm -hmm. the way, but what would you say is your greatest need right now? I think almost every one of your guests probably talks about funding. And I think there's really easy, low-cost ways to support Milwaukee Film with your attendance. You know, bring your bring your brain and your heart and your eyeballs to a film. But also keep connecting young people, right? Rem remembering that Milwaukee Film has programs um, for young budding filmmakers, for the, the young people who want to maybe take my job one day. Um, but also that, you know, film helps media literacy accelerates print literacy. And so everyone deserves to be, you know, uh, better at watching things and being discerning as a viewer. Um, and so I hope that people look to Milwaukee Film. They can go to mkefilm.org to learn about all of our programs. Just wander around, poke around. And if you don't know if we have a program that works, you know, reach out to us and we'll probably be able to find someone, a place to kind of uh, get excited and inspired. Okay. Well, if someone wants to reach out, um, they can either go to your website, which mm -hmm. again is? 
mkefilm.org. Okay. Do you guys have a Facebook page? Or oh, phone? yeah. I mean, Facebook, just Google, Twitter. Just Google just, it, yeah, right? yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Milwaukee Film or MKE Film on almost all the platforms. Okay. Um, and our website has plenty of email ways to contact. Phone? There's a phone number. Okay. <laughs> Someone might answer. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Kara Ogburn from Milwaukee Film. We appreciate you sharing your passion and your excitement about uh, what's available at Milwaukee Film and what uh, people can expect coming up this year. So thank you for participating. Thank you. You're welcome. There's no doubt Milwaukee Film has made a big impact over the years in our community. Uh, Milwaukee is also the home of both the oldest and the largest professional performing arts groups in the state. From big Broadway hits to smaller productions, every theater lover will find something that fits their style. So arts and entertainment is definitely alive and well in our community. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to learn about an organization that entertains up to 300,000 people every year with performances ranging from compelling dramas, powerful classics, new plays, and full-scale musicals. So stay tuned to find out who my next guest is, who offers a variety of options for the A&E enthusiasts in our community. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. And my next guest today is from a local nonprofit that offers a nice variety of options for the many arts and entertainment enthusiasts in our community. Welcome to the show today, Jenny Tutant, Chief Education and Engagement Officer from the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Hi, thank you. So before we get more scoop on... Milwaukee Rep. Let's hear about you, Jenny. Give us a, a little background on how you got to where you are. Oh my gosh. I've been doing this work for, for quite a while. I actually was not, um, I wasn't also raised by a family that, you know, were artists, right? So um, I was actually introduced to theater through a school field trip that happened when I was in seventh grade, and I knew sitting in the audience that this is what I was going to do with the rest of my life. In seventh grade? In wow. seventh grade. Okay. Um, so I started auditioning, I started thinking about how can I get involved, and didn't do my first play until I was 14 years old and in high school, and immediately knew this could do more. You know, what is it that theater can do to engage communities, to engage audiences, to go beyond just the story that is being told on stage, no matter what that impact might be with just the story, right? Um, so I went on to graduate school and I realized, wow, you know, there's this, this job at Milwaukee Repertory Theater as the education assistant, and I ended up being hired on. And when I was hired on, I didn't really, really understand the full scope of what this job was going to be, you know, to be perfectly honest, and went, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this work since I was 14. <laughs> and I didn't realize it was a job because there was no training for this, right? Mm -hmm. There was training on how to be an actor. There was training on how to be a theater educator, but primarily for school audiences, right? So how to go be a theater teacher at a school versus how do you engage at a professional theater with education and engagement and the communities? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so how long has Milwaukee Rep been around? 
Oh, we've been around since 1954. Okay, so you've got some great history. And I understand that your founder, Mary John, just recently passed away. Yes. So condolences to Milwaukee Rep for the passing of their great founder. When most people think about Milwaukee Rep, they think about the productions on stage, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, which, of course, they're awesome. But education and engagement are also key to your overall mission, correct? That is very true, yes. I mean, our mission at Milwaukee Repertory Theater is to ignite positive change in the cultural, social, economic vitality of its community by creating world-class theater experiences that entertain, provoke, and inspire meaningful dialogue among an audience representative of Milwaukee's rich diversity. I know that's a mouthful. Um, But one of the things that, you know, I've been doing, I've been around Milwaukee Repertory Theater. I've been employed here for 16 years now. And uh, I and always in the education department. Okay. um, And running the education department. A lot of what we do, though, is is how are we tying to the work that is happening on our stages? How am I connecting the dots between what are the stories and the narratives that we are telling and what is happening in the community? What's relevant to students' lives? What's relevant to our our residents' lives? Um, And how can we think about the goals that are happening around the community, within schools, within other community organizations, within the city as a whole? And how are we serving to be that community organization and helping to uplift and amplify stories? And I think that speaks to that inspiration and impact that mm-hmm. we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, we there's so many ways that people are making a difference and inspiring and impacting is, is a big part of that. Um, give us an idea of some of your goals for education and engagement. Absolutely. We have three main goals in the education and engagement department, to learn, to activate, and to celebrate. Um, with learning, we've actually had a long history with uh, focusing on social-emotional learning. So we were talking about the empathy piece before with Milwaukee Film. And uh, uh, so really looking at that empathy side of it, the relationship building, and uh, text evidence in terms of that literacy side. You know, there's nothing that you can do in theater without learning how to comprehend what you're reading and be able to understand, okay, great, this is what this is. And that tied really well into the goals of the schools that we are talking with as well. Um, primarily, our shows are for older audiences, right? So middle and high school students is really what we're serving. There's a wonderful community organization also in Milwaukee called First Stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they really focus on a lot of those younger, but they also go through high school and, uh, and older as well. Um, activate, we really think about that relevancy piece of it. You know, how are we connecting to the needs of Milwaukee, like I said? How are we aligned to neighborhood goals, citywide initiatives? How are we inspiring action within the community, too? Once they see a show, if we create a platform to have a dialogue around that show, and then we ask, so now what? What are you going to do now? Um, And hopefully those participants are able to think about what those next steps are. And then, of course, celebration, right? How are we actually thinking about the pride and the quality of the work that we're doing, the willingness to share the work? How are we inspiring those students to go, wow, I can actually do this too. And let's celebrate the fact that they were able to do that. Celebrate the accomplishments. Celebrate the city's initiatives too. How are we able to, again, use that storytelling, whether it's on stage or off, to be able to say, wow, Look what's happening in Metcalf Park, in Amani, in Muskego Way neighborhoods, right? What are those, what is happening in our community and how can we celebrate that? 
Well, this interview is such a learning opportunity in itself because, again, I, don't, I think most people have an idea of Milwaukee Rep, but I don't think they have any idea about mm. how you guys get involved in education and engagement. It's, it's really um, it's, it's very interesting. And, again, I love to hear the stories of impact and inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, what, what drives you to continue doing this work? I think creating access to the arts is a huge driver for me. Um, Milwaukee is an incredible city. I'm a big Milwaukee fan, lover of Milwaukee, grew up around here. Um, There's a huge, vibrant arts community here, too, that so many people don't necessarily recognize. Again, like we were talking about with Milwaukee Film, being able to go, oh, wow, there's there's opportunities here to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of theater companies here. There's a really robust arts community here, and there's ways for people and young people to get involved. But we have a lack of access challenge where there are communities in Milwaukee that may feel like they've, they're not welcome or that the, historically they haven't been welcome into our theater spaces, into the arts. And part of that, too, is looking at the schools. I know the schools have a huge drive to get arts back in the schools, but I can still count on one hand how many theater teachers there are within the city of Milwaukee. Yeah, unfortunately, that's, really that's kind of one of the first things to go. Right. Yeah. So when you think about how... How are we creating that next generation of artists and theater makers, which is a valid career choice? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we showing and demonstrating that there is an opportunity for that engagement through representation on our stages? But then also, how are we allowing and opening those doors through programming to be able to say, yeah, you can create this. Yes, you should be an audience member. Come be a part of this. Yeah. And again, to share the statistics around the economic mm-hmm growth that happens in this space. Yeah, Yeah, and I don't think people are aware of that. Absolutely. And the impact, too, just on the whole city, right, that it impacts uh, the restaurants, it impacts Mm -hmm. parking, it impacts so much economic... There, the economic impact of having the arts within the community is huge. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we return, Jenny's going to tell us more about the specific programming Milwaukee Rep offers and how people might get involved. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. And I'm talking with Jenny Toutant, Chief Education and Engagement Officer from the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. So we've talked about Milwaukee Rep's goals and why you do the work that you do, which is great. Tell us more about the programs specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the education and engagement programming has uh, two sides of programming. There's education programming and then there's engagement programming. Um, so when we're thinking about education programming, we have a, a number of school programs that we've been serving. I, I mentioned earlier that we serve primarily middle and high school. Um, we have uh, literacy programming within that, so our reading residency programming. Uh, we have a school subscription programming that really does get that goal to, hey, come and see theater more than once. And then also think about how do you critically look at theater, too, so they're writing reviews of the productions that they're coming to see. Um, we also have... A, 
student matinee programming that also includes rep immersion days, which gives a really good career insight track, right, for uh, students who are attending that production. It's a full day program. They come at 8.30 in the morning. They get demonstrations led by production staff on how we bring this piece of literature to life on stage. And then we have an obnoxiously early lunch where we put <laughs> 700 students in every crevice and corner of the theater and <laughs> while we reset for a production. And then they see a 11 a.m. matinee performance of that show. They do a brief talk back after the show, and then we get them on their buses and back to their schools at the end of the school day. <laughs> wow, what a full day, but what a great experience. It is. I don't remember really that being one. an option when my kids were in no, grade probably school. not. <laughs> we're talking a while ago, so yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Um, and then we also have teen programming, robust teen programming, um, which there's there's three different levels of that programming where there's a leadership programming, so those kids that are really enthusiastic theater goers, some of them may want to be actors or directors or, you know, technicians or whatever it is that they want to do designers. Um, some of them may just love going to theater. You know, we have a number of teen council members from our leadership program that have gone on to science or something else, um, but they're audience members, right? Um, so the teen council leadership program, we have a next narrative monologue competition, which is a national competition out of True Colors Theater in Atlanta. And uh, that's a really exciting one where we are uh, giving students the opportunity to read monologues or you know, perform monologues, rather, on the Quadrachi Powerhouse stage. Um, two of those winners of that competition for Milwaukee Regionals will be going on. I'm actually going to be taking two students to New York City where they will perform at the Apollo Theater. Oh, competing. how exciting. It's so exciting. Wow. So that's a really exciting program. And that's open to all students who are interested in all high school students who are interested um, in uh, performing. Um, and then we also have a, a, a professional training institute where this is an audition-based program where we have a small cohort of about 14 to 15 students each year, and then they train with us throughout the year, and then they are given their own professional production in the summertime. And every year there's a different production that we'll be working towards. Okay. And so that's the education programming. How about the engagement programming? On the engagement side, we uh, you know we have both audience engagement and community engagement type programming. So we do a lot of community conversations, often uh, stemmed from the themes of the productions on our stages. Also, though, we will have conversations or dialogues throughout the community based off of what might be happening in the community, too. So this is really, really try to connect some dots. Um, we have a robust community partnerships as well uh, through our community impact um, council, and uh, they are, our partners include, you know, like Safe and Sound, COA Youth and Family Center, the YWCA, there's a number of them. We have 15 partners actually right now. And um, each of them, we look at that reciprocity of what is it that we can be working with you on, but also how can you help inform the work that we are doing around our productions too. Um, we also do a number of neighborhood programming too. So we work with uh, specific neighborhood partners, Metcalf Park, Amani, and Muskego Way to look at how can we engage residents and how can we help serve the needs of the residents and meet the goals that you have within your neighborhood and be a partner there. We have resource partnerships too, so around our annual 
annual production of A Christmas Carol. We collect funds for a uh, Christmas Carol a Families program. Um, we collect funds from our audiences, and we use those funds to actually, we choose a community partner each year, and then we collect donations that uh, get used to provide um, gifts for the holidays mm-hmm. um, and are able to uh, provide families with a really decent holiday that year. We also provide uh, about 2,000 free tickets each year, too, for A Christmas Carol. Wow, how nice. Again, I bet most people have no idea <laughs> The scope of of your impact. Give us give us an idea though. Give us like some examples of the impact that you have in the yeah. community. So you know we're really able to measure a lot of the short term work. So like for example with the reading residencies, we do pre and post workshops um, or pre and post surveys rather. Um, and with those surveys, we're able to actually specifically go, oh yeah, we are actually making a thirty percent increase in text evidence skills or in our social emotional learning skills or whatever that might be. The longer term impact is harder to measure, but this is where you get the benefit of an employee being here for 16 years, right? (laughs) Because I get the stories. I get the phone calls of, hey, you know, when I was a kid, I did this program and it was really cool. I can't remember what it was called, but I did this thing where we went and saw shows. Oh, it was their school subscription program or it was your teen council or whatever it might have been. Yeah. And now I am a teacher and I want to make sure that I'm providing this opportunity to my students because it was meaningful to me. Mm. You know, so those types of stories I get to hear now. Um, and, uh, you know, and I hear them all the time. Right. So, you know, we, I was doing a community festival once and and for this festival at, in one of our neighborhood groups. And uh, one of these youth workers had come up to me and said, hey, oh, man, I used to go to shows all the time at The Wrap. You know, and it was really exciting to see how does that continue to trickle down? How does that impact, you know, trickle down? And that's not something measurable, but we know anecdotally is happening. It's uh, it's interesting. It, you just gave that example of, of someone coming back and saying they were involved, and it just reminds me, of the time that I had interviewed First Stage, mm-hmm. and our receptionist saw that someone from First Stage was coming mm-hmm. in, and she came back to talk with her, and she said, I took some classes mm-hmm. at First Stage when I was mm-hmm. younger, and she had actually gone on to uh, get a fine arts degree in, in New York and mm-hmm. did some things out there before she moved back here. And both of them were in tears mm-hmm. after just talking for a couple of minutes because they made that connection, mm-hmm. and it's it's great, too. Uh, to see that impact. That's exciting, too. You know, we have our teen council members, too. We've, teen council has been around for almost 10 years now, our leadership program. And now we will get uh, some of those teenagers that become employees or they join our um, emerging professional resident program. So we've got actually former teen council members that are in that cohort. Um, we've had uh, uh, actually one of my former teen council members just reached out this week and said, hey, I'm thinking about shifting my career focus and I re- really like to consider education. How do I get involved? I'm like, mm. of course. Talk to me. Yes. Ask questions. You know, I will always find that path. That's exciting. Yes. It is exciting. It's wonderful. Because you have a variety of ages that you're mm. serving, you have a number of different opportunities for engagement. So give us some examples of how our listeners can get involved. Oh, my gosh. There are so many different ways that you can get involved. Um, so teens, I know I talked a lot about our teen programming. Teens can get involved by signing up through our website, or they can just email anybody in the education and engagement department, and that we will find a way to connect you to the right person. So if you do have that teen in your life, you know, let us know. And even if it's just coming to see shows through the Teen Council. Um, Also, I didn't talk much about our adult programming, but we do have um, 
uh, adult programming as well. We do have adult training classes. We have acting classes for adults, sometimes playwriting classes offered. Um, and we do also have corporate training, too, for businesses. So if there are any businesses that are interested in that level of training, we are happy to work with you, too, on that, which includes leadership training, the art of the creative leader, and public speaking. How can we use theater and the arts to be able to engage in those skills that are so necessary for success in that business world? Um, adults who are also part of community centers or schools or youth-serving agencies, happy to talk about potential partnerships with you. What does that look like? You can certainly peruse our website and see what we currently do, but we also do custom design programming depending on the needs of those partners and what you're looking for. Um, yeah, and if again, if you're an individual that you would like to take classes or volunteer as a backstage tour guide or as a dialogue facilitator, you know, I mean, there's a number of different ways that you can get involved. So, you know, funding, of course, we're always mm -hmm. looking for funding, as everybody <laughs> talks about. Um, being an audience member and just continuing to be a part of Milwaukee Rep. But if there is a, something that sparks and goes, you know, I'm curious about how this could do more. I'm also asking that same question. How can this do more? So let's have that conversation. Absolutely. Well, there's no shortage of areas that uh, people, if this is something that interests them, then where they can get involved. And it's just a matter of reaching out and connecting with you. Um, you've shared a lot of really great things about the Milwaukee Rep. What final words would you like to leave with our audience today? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, and I've been considering this a lot and considering that that empathy piece too you know and I think that it's important for us to know that arts go beyond arts for arts sake you know the arts they can help bridge divides you know they can help create again going back to that empathy piece and understanding in a world that desperately needs empathy and understanding right now how can we continue to think about not just wow these stories are amazing but what are the next steps of those stories? What are the next steps? Why do you see a film? Why do you see theater? Why do we come together to have this shared collective experience around something? And what meaning does that have for you? And think about what's next then? What action can I take? Sometimes it's doing some more research. Sometimes it's learning a little bit more about a topic. Sometimes it's, I want to get involved. Mm. Let me figure that out. Mm -hmm. And again, everybody can be a part of making positive change. Mm -hmm. right? Yes, community. everybody can make make part of that. Be a part of making positive change in the community. Raise the visibility of the incredible work that's happening in Milwaukee's art scene, not just with Milwaukee Repertory Theater or Milwaukee Film, but the art scene in Milwaukee is vibrant and huge. Yeah, man. many options, many options. Well. A lot of great things today, as as always. I say that every show, but it's so true. <laughs> Just really a lot of great information. Jenny, give us contact information if people want to reach out. What's the best way, easiest way for people to get information on mm -hmm. the Milwaukee Rep? I would say go to our website at milwaukeerep.com. We are also available on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and all of those things, too. Okay. Um, we do have a staff directory on the webpage as well, so you'll be able to find me You know, if you have any questions specifically around education and engagement, um, but those staff directories are helpful. Okay. Well, thank you. I want to thank both of my guests today, Kara Ogburn, Artistic Director of Milwaukee Film, and Jenny Tutant from the Milwaukee Rep. Thank you for all the ways that you impact our community in the arts and entertainment space. Thank you for being here today.
Thank you for having us. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, or if you have a nonprofit recommendation for us, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. You can also listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app, or you can go to iHeartRadio.com on your computer. I encourage you to visit our website at ellenbecker.com so you can listen to previous interviews or you can now listen to them on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Join us again next Sunday when we'll talk with other inspiring guests who will share information about how they're making a difference and impacting our community in big and small ways. We hope that this will inspire you to use your passion, your talent, and your treasures to get involved with a local nonprofit and find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great Sunday.